We are currently going through the letter of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the Ephesian church. The first half of the book uh, focuses on our life in Jesus Christ. All the benefits we have of salvation, of being united to Jesus Christ. And then if you remember, there's that small section, that transition in which Paul prays this impossible prayer that we would live in a way that responds to the love that Christ has shown us. That Christ would come into every era of our life, including the way we work, the way we raise our family, our marriages. Last week, how Christ would even affect our sexuality. You may remember Chris came and shared last week that because we are children of God, because that is our status before God, we must live as children of God. Pursuing sexual purity in our thoughts, in our words, and in our deeds. Today we will see a very similar thrust from Paul. He's not saying because you're children of God, be children of God. Today he is saying because you are children of light, because you are light, live as light in a dark world. And so if you would open up to Ephesians chapter 5. If you're in the Red Bible, it's on page 978. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to be reading verse 7 through 14. Ephesians 5, 7 through 14. Therefore, do not become partakers with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Let's pray. Gracious God, what a marvelous thing that you have made us into light. God, it is easy to see that we live in a dark world, a dark world with glimmers of light. God, I pray today as we understand the glory of the gospel again, that you would transform our hearts to live as light in a dark world. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Growing up, I was very afraid of the darkness, and I think many of you can relate to that. I remember sleeping in bed at night, terrified that the boogie monster was watching me. And I would actually pull the covers up over my head and pretend like my covers were this, you know, this this cover of lead that the boogie monster couldn't see through. And so I'd pull it over my head and I'd be safe. When I would go camping, I remember uh, if I went for multiple days, the first night I wouldn't sleep at all because I was so afraid of the dark. And every time the wind blew, every time a bush rustled or whatever, you know, every time a leaf fell, it was a, you know, 100 pound grizzly bear coming to eat me. Right. Can you relate? Has that ever happened to you? I mean, that still happens when I go camping, but that's another story. 
Even when I would go down in the basement, my mom would send me down frequently to pick up a meal from the deep freezer. And I would go down and I went, turn on the lights and I just go to the freezer, get the meal. And then I remember just right back up the stairs because the darkness was so scary. And the reality is, is I wasn't really afraid of the dark. I was afraid of the unknown. I was afraid of what the dark might be hiding I was afraid because I was ignorant, because I didn't understand what was there. I couldn't know for sure what was there because there was no light. You know, we live in a very a world with a lot of darkness in it. Um, there is selfishness, there is anger, there is rivalry, there is frustration. And that's just in the home before you leave to go to church, right? And then you get outside the home and it gets even worse. Uh, I was listening to a sermon by Tim Keller, and so I might get this wrong because I didn't write it down, but I believe the man's name is Ian Bounds. And he was alive in the early uh, 1900s, and he wrote at one time, I'm so excited for the future of mankind. We are headed on this amazing destiny in which there will be no war, and there will be complete peace, and our only battle will be against progress. And he was extremely optimistic. And then he lived through World War II, and at the end of his life, he wrote, I am on the verge of collapsing because I have seen the darkness of mankind and the darkness of men's heart, and there seems to be no hope. We live in a dark world, and the question is, is there any hope? In the Bible, They look a lot at light and darkness. Uh, Jesus talks about light and darkness. Paul talks about light and darkness. And when he is contrasting light and darkness, he is talking about sometimes different things. But the majority of the time, he's talking about the knowledge of God. Knowing God himself, knowing the love of God, but also knowing the ways of God. And having the power to carry those things out. And so a person who is in darkness is ignorant, does not understand God or the things of God. And they don't even know that they're in darkness, typically. But if a person is in light, they know God and they know the love of God and they know the ways of God. Biblically, we see that light is an indication of knowledge. In Second Corinthians 4, 6, it's put this way, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light. And then he describes that light, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God and the face of Jesus Christ. And so looking at this passage and seeing that light and darkness refers to our understanding of God and being able to know God and know the ways of God and know the love of God. How does this apply to our passage? Let's look at verse 8 here and see. He says, at one time you were darkness. What an interesting phrase, right? He doesn't say you were in darkness or you were walking in darkness. He says, at one time all of you, and he's talking to the church, he's talking to Christians, All of you were darkness. That's not too seeker-friendly, is it? (laughs) What he's saying is that all of you were ignorant. All of you were lost. All of you did not know God, did not know of the true God. You did not know the love of God. You were in complete darkness, wandering around, ignorant, not seeing the light, not seeing what is really there. You know, as we look at that, I think if I took a poll this morning and said, raise your hand if you're in darkness, 
I don't think anyone would say, I'm in darkness. I'm ignorant. I don't know what's going on. All of us would claim to understand God and who He is and, and what He's done. But Scripture is very clear that there are some, even here today, that are in darkness, that do not understand God or who He is or what He has done. And so a little litmus test that I think is very helpful that we see throughout Scripture, the thing that separates Christianity from every other religion, is if you stood before God, would you be acceptable to Him? Would, you, would He let you into heaven? Again, I think 100% of you would say yes. But the question is, why? Why would God allow you to be with Him for all eternity? Why would that happen? What would be your answer? Why would you say, God is pleased with me? If your answer starts like this, because you know what? I'm a pretty good person. Or, I'm not a good person, but I'm trying really hard to be a good person. I think God is satisfied with my efforts. If that is how you would respond... The Bible says you are in darkness. You do not understand God. You do not understand the depth of your sin, nor the holiness of God and the gap between the two and God's righteous judgment on your life. But this passage gives you great hope today. There is no mistake that you are here. And God wants to lead you into the glorious light of His salvation. And we are going to look at that today. But He says, all of you at one time were in darkness. And so either... You are in darkness now, or you were at one time. And he continues in verse 8, and he says, But now you are light in the Lord. Again, he doesn't say you are walking in the light. He says you are light. You are light. Now you may be feeling, boy, uh, I'm a Christian. I trust in Christ for my salvation. I don't feel like a light. (laughs) I don't feel like a bright light. Maybe I'm a very dim light. But he says, no, you are light. And you are light not because of the way that you have lived, but you are light because of what Christ has done for you. You are light because God is light. It is seen throughout the scriptures what is said in 1 John 1, 5, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. We see it throughout the scriptures, throughout Proverbs, throughout Psalms. This is attested to that God is light, but men are darkness. But then God explodes into a dark world with light through Jesus Christ. Listen to how the gospel writers talk about the coming of Jesus Christ. In Matthew 4.16 it says, The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. Talking about Jesus. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. What a great excitement. I remember when I would go camping and the light would dawn at the beginning of day, I could finally be at ease. I was no longer fidgeting at every bush that moved. I remember going down and when I would play in my basement, I would turn on every light in the basement. And it was comforting because I now knew what was out there. And so the light has dawned through Jesus Christ. John 1.9 says, The true light which enlightens everyone has come into the world. Now as Christ comes into the world, bring light. He is light. There is a problem. And John goes on to describe this in 3.19. He says, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. If all of us were honest with God, 
We would say, yeah, there are times that we do good things, times that we try to do things that are very noble and worthy. But the majority of the time in our hearts, we hate light. We crave evil. We want to gossip. We want to slander. We want to be angry towards people. We want to covet. We want to do all these things in our heart. But then we receive the hope in John eight twelve, And I'm just walking through how darkness becomes light. The light comes into the world and then Jesus says this. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Do you see that? He says, the light will be inside of you. I think of like a jack-o'-lantern or a a lampshade. You know, you take a lampshade. If I saw the lampshade here, it would emit no light, right? It would not be glowing. But if you put a light bulb inside of that lampshade and you turn it on, it becomes the source of light for the room, right? He says, you are like that lampshade. I have put myself inside of you. We have been united to Jesus Christ. We have been united to the light. And so you are light if you are a Christian. Whether you feel it or not, you are a light. The most we can do is put it under a bowl, put it behind a bushel. There's children's songs that tell us, no, don't do that, right? And that's what we're going to look at today. And so in this world of darkness, how do we walk as children of light? This is the command that he gives. He said, you were in darkness, but you now are light. So be yourself. Walk as children of light in a dark world world again be who you are he said it in ephesians 5 1 you are a child of god be a child of god you are light be light to this world and so the question for us is how do we walk as children of light and that's what we're going to look at today this was just the introduction (laughs) we're going to look at what does it look like for you and me those who trust in jesus christ what does it look like to walk As light in this world. Is there a difference between us and those who do not know Christ? And so what we'll see first off is that we walk as children of light in a dark world by pursuing pleasure. That's right. You heard me. By pursuing pleasure. Now, if you're like me, you are an expert at pursuing pleasure, right? If I am hungry, I go to the fridge or I go to McDonald's or I go to the grocery store and I pursue pleasure. I get food that is good to me. If I am bored, right, I I flip on the TV, I'll put in a movie, I'll go to the movies, I'll pursue pleasure. It comes very easy, very naturally to me. It It is something I was made to do. And Paul says you should be a pursuer of pleasure. But look how he puts it here in verse 10. He says, and try to discern what is pleasing. To who? To the Lord. And so we are to pursue pleasure, but you're not to pursue your pleasure or my pleasure. You are to pursue the pleasure of the Lord. This is a radical statement that your life is not centered around you, but your life is centered around God. You know, for a long time, man thought that the earth was the center of the universe. And it was blasphemy to think that it was centered around something else other than the earth. But then they found out that it was centered around the sun. That's what we're learning here, that our lives are centered around God, the light of the world. And we should live in a way 
that pleases him. And so what would it be like to live life? And the hundreds of times a day you ask the question, what would please me? What would please me to go to lunch? What would please me to do next on my agenda? And to replace that question with, Lord, what would please you? Hundreds of times a day, every time you face a decision, Lord, what would it, what would please you? I had a friend in college named Scotty, and Scotty was a fantastic athlete. He loved soccer, he loved football, he loved basketball. It was all very, very pleasing to him. He very much enjoyed it. And one time we came around to flag football signups, and for some reason Scotty was not going to play flag football. And so I went to him, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but I can sometimes get people to do things they don't want to do. And so I'm like, Scotty, come on, you have to play flag football. Do it for Jesus. Come on, let's go, right? And Scotty's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to sit this one out. And so I keep campaigning. Come on, Scott, you know, we need you. You'll help the team to be better, blah, 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 blah. And he's just adamant he's not going to do it. And so finally, I'm like, what's going on? Like, why will you not play flag football with us? I know you love it. And he goes, you know, I just get too angry when I play sports. I can't control myself. And God has shown me that I need to sit it out for a while. You see, Scotty was asking the question, Lord, what pleases you? And he was putting it above, how can I please myself? You know, this this comes about all the time, every day. You know, when you're going to watch a movie, I'll just use that as an example, to just ask the question, Lord, does it please you that I go and watch this movie? And maybe God will say, yes, go and enjoy the creativity and the culture and the stories of redemption that I have given to humanity. Go and enjoy. But maybe God will say, no, this, this wouldn't be pleasing because you have temptations in your life, whether it be lust or anger or rage or pride, and going to this movie will fuel it. Or maybe God will say, listen, that's two hours that you will not be hanging with your kids and I want you to be at home with your kids. I don't know the answer, but the encouragement is to have this question dictate your life. Lord, is it pleasing to you that I would do this or do that? And God gives us answer through prayer, through the Holy Spirit, through his word. They'll never contradict through fellow believers that can give us godly counsel. Asking the question, Lord, is it pleasing to you? And so we're to pursue the Lord's pleasure. And when we do that, we will see that the light will bear fruit. Verse 9 talks about this. It says, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. You see, all that is good and right and true is created by God. He is the author of all of that. And it is pleasing to him. And so when we seek to please God, we do what is right and good and true. In my backyard, I have a fence on all three sides, and then our house is the fourth side. And on one side, there is this six-foot fence, right? And it is impossible to grow grass next to that fence because the light never hits the ground. And so if I, if I tore down that fence, uh, which would not be pleasing to the Lord because it belongs to my neighbor, but if I tore down that fence and I exposed it to the light, the grass would grow. It would bear fruit. It would bear seed, and it would, it would grow because the light... Hits it. That's what God is saying. Let the light come into your life. Tear down the fences of self-agenda. Tear down the fences of greed and selfishness. And let my light shine upon you. Ask the question, Lord, is this pleasing to you? I've tried to apply this the last few days as I've been studying this. And it is not easy, I will be honest. 
It is only by the grace of the Holy Spirit, as was talked about in these membership vows, that we could start to go in the direction that pleases the Lord. And so we are to pursue the pleasure of God. That is one way we live as light. Secondly, we, we live as children of light in a dark world by declining darkness. Verse 7 says this, Therefore, do not become partners with them. I, I like the King James Version translation. It says, therefore, do not become partakers with them. I think that captures more what Paul is trying to say here. And it's further elaborated in verse 11. If you would look with me, it says, do not do take no part in again. Don't partake of don't have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do. In secret. In modern Christianity, there is this catchphrase called being culturally relevant, of engaging culture and being a part of culture to help redeem culture through the work of Christ in our life. And it is a glorious and wonderful thing, but there is a great danger. And this danger shouldn't keep us from engaging in culture, but the danger is that we would become identical to culture. That we would not only absorb and celebrate the good things, but that we would absorb and participate and partake in the bad things that are out there. And Paul says, don't be a partaker of the same things that those who are in darkness partake of. When I was, um, when I was a senior in high school, before I became a Christian, uh, I went on spring break with a couple of my buddies from school, and I really didn't know them that well. It's just one guy had a car that could drive, and so I said, hey, you want to go on spring break to Florida? Sure. And then the other guy kind of came along with him. And so we went down to Florida, and we got down there, and I thought, you know what? Let's, let's, let's start drinking. We're here. It's spring break. Come on, let's go. And Jason, who was a Christian, which I didn't know, said, you know what? I, I don't want to do that. And, and he told me why, and honestly, I, I have no idea what he said. But he decided that he was not going to follow darkness. He's not going to follow a guide, a blind guide, which was me, but he was going to follow the light. He was going to do what God was calling him to. He was going to decline darkness. This is what God calls us to do. You see, if you are a Christian, if you decide to live as light in a dark world, there will be times where you will be peculiar, where you will be odd. I mean, when they see you in the corner saying, Lord, would this be pleasing to you? They're going to think that is an odd person, right? And they might think, I don't want to be that person. Or they might say, man, that is really attractive. But sometimes you will be the stick in the mud. It is unavoidable because we are different. We are light. We are children of God. And we are to live as light in this world. You know, I'm afraid of the darkness now, but for completely different reasons. They make this kid's toy, Legos. You've all heard of it, right? And they're to be these adorable little toys to spark kids' imagination, help them build, help them be creative. But to me, it is like the most awful thing in the world. Because I don't know if you've ever walked through your house when it's dark, <laughs> especially on a hardwood floor, and stepped on a Lego. But I have heard that it will bring a grown man to his knees crying. And it's true. See, when you're in darkness, you can't see those things. And what Paul's saying here is, don't walk as if you're in darkness. It's light out. 
You can see the traps. You can see what is wrong. Avoid those things. It's by God's grace that He has illuminated those things that are in your path. Don't close your eyes. Don't go blind. You'll step on all the Legos. Right? Open your eyes. Walk because you know the light. And this is a gift of God's grace. And so if you're in the light, you should walk as someone who is in the light, not walk as someone who is in darkness. Finally, we walk as children of the light in a dark world, not only by pursuing pleasure, not only by declining darkness, but finally by lasering light. I know that's a confusing phrase. But by directing the light of God into the situations that He puts us in in our life. Verse 11 says this, if you'd read along. He says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. We just saw that that's a negative command. Don't do darkness. But then there is the positive command. But instead, expose them. We are to expose the deeds of darkness. We are supposed to take the light of truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and show how darkness fails. Show how darkness is empty. Show how darkness hurts people. And the reason we are supposed to expose the darkness with light is not merely to shape their behavior. It's not merely to make them better people, but it's for a glorious, glorious purpose. See, when we expose the darkness, we have an opportunity and an obligation to point them to the light, to point them to the Savior, to awaken salvation. And that's what it says here in verse 13. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. See, we talk about the law of God is the is the commands of God found in the Old Testament, like the Ten Commandments, all right? And we say there's three uses of the law. But one use of the law is to expose our sin, to show that we are indeed sinful, that we cannot keep the law, that we cannot merit God's love and salvation. It is to drive us to our knees, to drive us to repentance, and to trust in another Savior, to trust in the life, to trust the one who has completely fulfilled the law. You see, as we expose the darkness in people's lives and in our own lives, it is constantly supposed to point us to the cross. It is to point them to the cross, to point to the fact that they cannot save themselves, that they do in need need another Savior, and that God has provided that, the light of the world, Jesus Christ, who came, and when he came to the cross, the light was shut out, the sun was shut out, that's what it says, And there was darkness over the land. And yet the light of the world comes into it to take on your sin and my sin, all of our deeds of darkness, and we all have plenty on himself and pay for them in full. And so when we point out darkness, it is to point us to the cross. It is to point us to Jesus. And so we have this fantastic opportunity. It talks about it here in verse 14. It says, therefore, it says, awake O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Awake. Right? Awake. We are to be sirens of salvation. Sirens of salvation as we live as light in the world. About two months ago, Lorena Wittenbach was eating dinner in her home with her husband, William, when all of a sudden they heard those horrible, horrible 
tornado sirens. They didn't ignore them. As a matter of fact, they took them quite seriously and they went and they sought cover under furniture in their house. Moments later, that F5 tornado came through Joplin, Missouri. Maybe you have seen the pictures of the destruction. It is amazing. And Lorena and her husband were saved because they sought shelter. Their house completely collapsed and people had to pull them out. But they were saved because they sought shelter underneath something that was sturdy. And after the tornado hit and after they came out of the wreckage, they're at the Red Cross and William is being interviewed and he says this, I recommend that anyone who hears a tornado warning or the tornado sirens take them seriously. I bet he would say that. Move immediately to the safest place in your home. And then he goes on to add that he had heard of some who had ignored the warnings and had done so to their own peril. As I had mentioned early, there is no mistake that you are here today. And possibly you are here because God wants to say, Awake! This is your siren. You know, just as a tornado is extremely unpredictable when it might come, Christ's return is even more unpredictable. Your death is even more unpredictable. And this is a siren of salvation saying, listen, you have walked in darkness, but light has come into the world. You know not when the time will come for you to stand before God. Trust in Christ today. And as we walk and as we point out darkness, as we expose darkness, we point them to the glorious cross. We point them to the glorious light that has come into this world. And so we walk as children of light by pursuing God's pleasure. We walk as children of light by denying darkness, but finally by lasering light and exposing the joy of salvation. In a little bit here, we're going to sing a song that starts like this. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made this heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. The light of the world has stepped down into darkness. Jesus Christ, but he has also ascended into heaven. And so now his light to the world comes through you. You are his light to the world because he is living in you. Because at one time, you were darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you did not leave us in darkness. What a horrible, horrible place that would be. But that you have come to us. Your light has broken into the world through Jesus Christ. We praise you that you have shown us mercy, that you have shown us grace. God, as we come to the Lord's table, we pray that you would encourage our hearts with this good news, God, that we would be empowered and strengthened to be the light that you call us to be because you have made us light. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Matthew twenty six twenty six. It says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. 
In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Drink of it, all of you. This is the cup of the new covenant. Do this as often as you eat in remembrance of me. As we gather around the Lord's table, we are reminded that Jesus Christ, who was the light of the world, did come into darkness and did bring light into our lives and into the world. And he has made us light for those who trust in him. If you're here today and you are the light of Christ, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ for your salvation, this is for you, for your encouragement, for your growth. If you're here today and you're still considering what it means to trust in Christ, if you still depend on yourself and not in Jesus to make yourself acceptable before God, we're so glad you're here investigating this. Let this be a siren, a call to you to turn to the Lord. But we ask that you let these elements pass you by because those who eat apart from faith eat and drink judgment on themselves and we want nothing of that for you. We are so glad you're here, but please let them pass by. As we hand these out, hold the drink, hold the bread, and we will partake together.